Welcome back to the Home with Havila podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you listened last week for the month of June, we are doing our top four most downloaded podcasts ever. So last week was our number one. This week is our number two most downloaded, and it's actually part one of the series for I Hate What I See in the Mirror. And last week, our most downloaded is part three. So this episode will help you kind of connect the dots. And Havila is talking about the power of making a conscious and intentional choice to embrace ourselves as God's most significant work. So tune in because we're diving into the importance of having radical love and self-acceptance, which allows us to show up fully in our lives and relationships. If you have your Bibles, pull out your Bibles. If you don't, don't worry. God will judge you for that. Um, you might want to bring something to write notes on for the next four weeks. I am not alone in teaching this Bible study. In fact, there are three other really powerful women that are going to come up and share um, each week. And actually, Leslie Crandall is in the room. Will you wave, everybody? And then, yeah. And then Abby Stumble will be coming back as well to teach us. And so we're going to kind of split each one. Today, I'm going to lay the foundation of Leap into Love, and then we're going to kind of have a little bit of a, a mixture because it's just impossible for me to share the complete thought of what it looks like to leap into love without having some diversity of other voices. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and just to remind you, there's stuff in the back if you did not get a chance to pick up anything. So we had this pastor in our church years ago. His name was Pastor Bob. And Pastor Bob once told this story of when he was preaching. And it was one of those stories, do you ever have somebody in your life where they ha you have a favorite story that they share and you want them to share all the time? Do you ever have anyone like that? And this was his story, and I would always ask him to share this story. He said he was pastoring a church up in Seattle, and he was teaching on the topic of sin. He was teaching on this, and he had a thriving college community, and they had multiple services, and so he was really trying to teach them in like, you know, a biblical character and what that looked like and sin. And, but he said, as he began to teach on sin, the room kind of froze up. They didn't really know what to respond because who wants to amen during someone teaching on sin, right? So he said at one moment, he realized that the room wasn't engaging him. So he just kind of had like a spontaneous moment. He goes, well, let's just see who, what kind of sins you deal with. And so he jumps off the stage and puts a mic in the first person's face, right? In the flat, and he said, the person was so shocked they couldn't say anything. He said it literally was like caught. So he, he was like, well, forget you, let's go to the next person. And he shoves the mic and the person goes, so this is self-sufficiency? Because <laughs> it was like all they could think of as like a normal thing to say in front of everybody. Like how bad can that be, self-sufficiency? And so he said he went home between services and his wife said, don't you ever do that again to our community. Uh, we are not shaming people into doing the right thing. And as I think about that story, I think about the fact that when we start talking about self-acceptance, radical love towards ourselves, self-abandonment, um, losing ourselves along the way, um, having relational rejection, these are the kind of topics that we don't really want to amen, and we sometimes don't want to act like they apply to us. But if you've been on the earth for a little bit, I know because it's touched my life and I've been around a lot of us, um, that these topics are really critical to our development 
They're critical for us to be healthy uh, moms and wives, leaders, um, coworkers. These are, it's really important because it really is the underlying motivation and where we walk into a room. And I, I like to say self-confidence is when you walk in a room and all you want to be is yourself. And so this is really critical that we, we want everyone to learn to be themselves as we go, go forward in this. So here's some things I want you to think about as we talk about this topic and I put you on the spot with some of these things. First thing I want you to think about is I want you to take all the time you need to grow and to heal all the time you need. Like, I just, I want you just to take a deep breath because we're gonna get into some of this stuff and you might be like, oh no, you just brought up my entire childhood. What are we gonna talk about? Or, oh no, I'm feeling kind of triggered in the room or, oh no, I, I need to go home and make a bunch of phone calls. And what I really want you to do is slow down and realize that you get all the time you need, that God is gonna be just as gracious as he was tonight in worship. He'll continue to walk you through. And anything he reveals, he simultaneously offers grace for transformation, simultaneously. So whatever it is, take your time and, and to learn and to grow and to heal. Uh, another thing is don't get caught thinking about anyone else being here. This is a classic thing us girls do. We're like, you know who really needed this teaching? And we go, and that's all we're thinking is like, oh, that applies to so. Oh, my mom needed that. Oh, my sister needed that. And so we go in this mode. And what's really critical for transformation is that we stay personal, that we apply the word of God to our lives, our situation, our relationships. And it's really, let me say, we can't just apply to anybody else because we don't know where they're at. We got to give them grace to be where they're at. But what we can do is let the word of God read our lives and show us what we need in our own world. Secondly, or um, thirdly, is we need to let God be God. And this is really critical when we talk about transformation and growing and, and uh, self-acceptance and love is that sometimes there's some things that only God can do. And so oftentimes the world is like, work a little harder, dig a little deeper, learn a little more. And we want to be uh, students of the word, but we also need to know that without a supernatural touch from God the Father, then we will miss something and we will get into works. And we are people of grace, not works, right? So we wanna make sure that our works line up with the grace that we've received. And so it's critical that we just let God be God in the middle of it and just relax, amen? I feel like I missed one. Um, that's it. Okay. Well, maybe. Uh, oh, no, the second one. Don't try to master all this in one day. Transformation is a process. If you're anyone like me, I'm kind of one of those. Uh, I'm not competitive. I'm more just kind of lazy where it's like, if I could just get it done, then I could go back to having fun in my life. Is anybody else like, check, 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 good. But this really is about transformation. And some of this stuff, it, I, it's going to take you a couple years. It's going to take you some seasons. It's going to take you some going winter, spring, summer, and fall and putting all of this truth into practice. So take your time and realize that transformation isn't overnight. In fact, I rarely trust transformation that happens instantaneously. I think that's a sovereign moment. But in order for us to work out our salvation, the Bible says we've got to put it in a daily practice and habits and all the things that we have to kind of own ourselves. So when it talks about leap into love, when I went to write this book... It wasn't really a topic that I was thinking about. I, this is my fifth, sixth Bible study that we've done. And, 
you know, at first I wanted to call it Leap into Love. In fact, my son had found this. We were walking around San Francisco trying to get this last minute passport. And on this brick wall, my son yells out, Mom, that's your new Bible study. And when your 10-year-old says something like that, you listen. You're like, this is the hand of God. And so I, I'm like, whatever it says, even if it's like, you know. Uh, anyway, so editing as I'm thinking. So I say that, and it says in these big, huge pink words, like in graffiti, it says, leap into love. And I'm like, gosh, I've never thought, that's a really, I like that. Yeah, I could see that. And I'm just thinking about it. And then I kind of throw it down on some paper and see if it, you know, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. And then I start thinking, what does it, you know, mean to leap into love? And then I start thinking about the journey of self-acceptance and radical love. And that was kind of the tagline that we worked on for many, many months was we're going to talk about self-acceptance and radical love. But as I kind of dove into the word and just spent really hours and hours getting in and kind of seeing what was there and seeing what the end of the rainbow looked like at the end of self-acceptance and at the end of radical love, I found that it wasn't enough for us to wear the badge of I'm confident. It wasn't just enough to say, I like my curves. Come on. It wasn't just enough to say, I'd rather be me than you, right? It wasn't enough. In fact, that's what the world will say. But really, because we are people of purpose, what happens when we begin to have God confidence and a self-acceptance for how we were created, it morphs into us becoming present to our purpose on the planet. All of a sudden, we engage. It's the first, pro it's the first step. The end of the rainbow is not me. The end of the rainbow is God. The end of the rainbow is our purpose on the earth and ultimately what we'll do on the earth, which will give us fulfillment. We'll talk a lot about that. So the first critical part to self-acceptance and radical love is to realize that once we even get to that part in our life, it now allows us to show up fully in our lives. It now allows us to show up fully in our relationships and whatever that might look like. And we'll, we'll finish tonight with some more thoughts on that. Now, I wrote little notes in the book. I'm not an artist. Um, somebody wanted me to put like illustrated by Havilah, but I was too embarrassed. So that's just what it is. But I, I just began to think about this topic. And as I thought about self-acceptance and radical love, I was thinking about this time when I went to speak at this church. And it was a about a year and a half ago, and I had, I was going to go in to do a women's night, and as I flew into the place, I was running late. Sometimes that happens. We fly out of Reading, which is crazy town already, and then we've got to take three flights to get anywhere, and so as I get on this flight, everything is delayed, and I'm like, well, I didn't shower, which is okay if it's, you're not going anywhere, but I, I always don't want to get up early to shower because then I'll be tired that night, so I kind of gamble. Like I, but I need to shower because moms shower in three days. Like that's how, we sh that's how we live our lives, right? And so it was shower day, and I knew I needed a shower, so we showed up. <laughs> we showed up to this, this event, and I showed up to my hotel room, and I am rushing. I've got like 30 minutes to throw my clothes on, take a shower, get out, and go. I get in the shower. I forget my shampoo. I'm washing my hair with shower gel. I'm jumping out. I throw on my dress. I grab the shoes. I realize I brought the wrong shoes. So now I'm just feeling like nothing is measuring up. I get in the car, and I drive to the event, which is going to be simulcasted to four other venues. So there's thousands of women that are going to watch this event. And I show up, and I am feeling a mess. You ever felt that way? And I don't always, I don't necessarily feel that way in Reading, but I do feel that in other places. And so 
That's not mean. I think we here are just, we're mountain girls. It's, we can be comfortable. No one's wearing heels to Trader Joe's. I like that. There's no shame in that. We're gonna wear our Burks to Trader Joe's. That's normal. You wear heels, we're like, what, do you have a job interview? That's how we think, right? So, so I go in and I am feeling already like I don't have it together and I, I need some prep time and I'm just, I'm just kind of feeling out of sorts. And when I walk into the green room, there is this pastor's wife and she is majestic. That's all I know how to say. She is lean and tall. She has these cheekbones. She is perfected. She's wearing designer clothes. Her hair is not out of place. And she walks up to me and I am now late. And I don't know if she's punishing me or she just doesn't have time for me, but she goes, here's your run sheet. There's your mic. We'll see you out there. And I'm like, okay. And anytime I start feeling that I'm just part of a conveyor belt of ministry, I start not liking it where I'm like, I'm here to minister. I'm not here to be like the comedian. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, okay. And so I'm processing all of that. And at, at one point, I, she's over in the corner. I go to get a drink. And as I'm trying to calm down and like, let me just get something to drink. I take a sip. And have you ever had that where you have a hole in your lip? <laughs> so I take a sip. And as I take a sip, water pours down the front of me. She sees the whole thing. I thought she had missed it. And she looks at me and she goes, drink much? She did. And I remember feeling like I was like this small, like I felt like I'm wearing the dress that I, I had to wear because I couldn't fit the one I wanted to bring. I wore the shoes that I didn't want to wear, but that's the only ones I brought. My hair is still wet from shower gel. I have, you know, I, it's just, I'm a mess. And as she says it, all I want to do is yell, you're mean and run to my car and say, this is on you. I just that feeling of like mean girls. Now, was she joking? I think she was totally joking. I really, before the Lord, don't think she even knew what was going on inside of me. I think she, it was probably a joke she said in her family. She meant in a teasing way. But to me, because of how I was feeling about myself and my environment, it felt like salt on a wound. It felt like I was exposed. It felt like somebody opened the bathroom stall on me, right? And you're sitting there going, I don't want to be here. I don't know what to do, but I feel exposed. When I think about this topic of self-acceptance and radical love, I, I got to be honest, I don't always, I didn't know if I could teach it, not because I didn't have a heart for it, but I know I'm not complete in it. And I know that I'm not standing up here as an expert that says, I got this, let me tell you how to get there, let me show you how awesome this could be. I'm actually teaching as someone who's on the journey myself in an American world of women where things are perfect and glossy and everything can be fixed or cut off or altered. And I'm also in an environment where we're not allowed to age and we're not allowed to look pregnant if we're not. And, <laughs> come on. And, and, and what I want us to do is, I want us as women to go on this journey of discovery of what God really created in us long ago and to realize that I'm on this just like you're on this and this isn't a perfected state. It's really something we grow in. I was thinking about times when I, profound self-abandonment, when I lose myself in my journey. I think about when I want to be in a relationship with someone, but my fear of rejection keeps me disengaged from, throw, from showing my authentic self. I think about when I want to be fully present as a mother, but my fear of failing them 
causes me to disengage into perfectionism. I think about me wanting to be fully present as a woman or a lover, but the unsexy things in life causes me to disengage into fantasy. I think about when I want to be present to my calling, but my fear of missing out causes me to disengage into entertainment. I think about when I want to be confident in myself, but the messaging of I could be better, I could be stronger, I could be faster, I could be braver, causes me to disengage into self-abandonment and abandon my authentic self. And all of these are signs of self-abandonment where we reject ourselves and leave ourselves. And so we, in my own life, I go into life doing the right thing at the right time for the right people and yet not belonging to myself. And so this study is about belonging to ourselves. It's about finding ourselves, recovering ourselves, redeeming what we have and moving forward. I love this quote by Henry Norwin. He says, self-rejection is the, greatest, is, is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the, of, a, of the spiritual life. I want you to think about that for a minute. Could it be that your greatest enemy right now, your greatest hindrance, the part of you that doesn't know how to be present in your life, is rooted and grounded in self-rejection. And maybe that self-rejection isn't something you began with. Maybe it was given to you. And maybe your mom didn't know how to accept herself, so she, she gave you her own coping mechanisms, methods and her own behaviors and her own strategies and her own self-images. Or maybe it was something else in your life that began to train you to be who you are today, but you've abandoned yourself along the way. And you're in a, you're in a journey of recovering yourself and saying, wait a minute, I want to be who God's called me to be. I don't want to look like somebody else and try to act like somebody so that I feel important. I want to be me when I walk in the room and I don't want to feel bad about it. And so what I want us to do is really look at this and I want tonight to look at the evidence of self-rejection. Now, when I was pregnant with my second son, Hudson, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. Postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis are two different things. One is when you feel disconnected from life and it's very hard. It's a clinical depression. But the other one is when you want to hurt your children. And so they like to figure out what you have very quickly. And so I remember going into a counselor and spending a lot of time with her. And the way that she found out that I was even dealing with this, and I would never have walked into a counselor's office being a minister. uh, We didn't go to counselors. We only sent people to counselors. I walked in and she said, well, let let me just ask you a few questions. And she went down 14 of the symptoms of postpartum and she said, you know, you want to know what I think? And I said, yeah, I'd like to know what you think. And she said, out of all 14 symptoms, you have 13 of them. And I just burst into tears right in her office and said, as a leader, because that's what we do, what do I do? And she said, don't do anything. Go home and get a good night's sleep and I'll see you on Friday. And as we talk about self-rejection, what I want you to understand is I'm going to touch on a lot of different areas tonight. And what I want you to understand is that none of these are the main source. They're all symptoms to self-rejection. 
They're all the signs that there might be a deeper root of self-abandonment along the way. And so don't get stuck. If I got stuck, stuck on, I, I didn't sleep through the night, or I, you know, I, didn't, I felt overwhelmed, or I felt like I was, you know, I, was, I was sad all the time. If all I was doing was trying to navigate those, then all I would do is throw things at that. But what was critical was for me to unpack the reason I ended up really bankrupt mentally, emotionally in my life to begin to structure safety and health around me. And I had to go to the root, which some of those roots were that I didn't know how to say no. And some of the roots were that I felt like I was responsible for how everyone felt about me. And some of those roots were that I was deeply grounded in a, in a, in a, in a bubble home. I was in a minister's home where everyone was looking at me. And even if I didn't care, they were telling me what they thought about me. And all of that was critical to understand that that's what led me into a place of deep depression. And so anything we talk about tonight is not the end all. It's the moment where you go, oh, that's a symptom that shows me you're at the right place at the right time. And this study is critical for your moving forward. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that this episode helped you learn where your confidence is, if you have evidence of self-rejection, and to remind you that you were perfectly and wonderfully made, God did not make a mistake, and that you are so loved and you are enough. So thank you so much for tuning in. Again, make sure you share this with a friend. You can also post it on your social media and tag us at Truth to Table. Make sure you leave a review. That helps others find the show. We're just so excited to continue to share. We have a very exciting July series coming up after we share next most downloaded episode. So stay tuned. We're so excited for all to come. And make sure you subscribe and follow us at Truth to Table.